How's that feel there, Larry? You got to put the mic up to your... Can, Good. can you hear? Good. You got it all the way up, right next to your mouth. Okay. There, there you go. go. There, that's better. How's that? That's good. Got it. Sound good? You ever been on a podcast before, Larry? No, sir. No? If you call me sir this whole time, it's not going to be a good time. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, I got a little surprise here for you. Um, just to kind of get us started. Nate made a little intro um, for the for the podcast. So this is this is the the intro for the podcast here. I am ready for battle. Boom! Boom! That's unbelievable. Holy crap! When are you kidding me? What do you think of that? Dang, that's a whole <laughs> lot of emotion right there. <laughs> a little bit of a whirlwind. All right, well, um, I'm Connor Olstead. We have Ken Byers here today and then also Larry Nair. Is that how you say your last name? Yes, sir. that's Larry Nair. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, you're, you're, are you okay there, Larry? You look a little nervous. No, I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. What are we doing out here this week, guys? What are we? Uh, you guys come out here every year, right? Yeah, I'll start this out. Uh, so, Ken Byers... I have uh, been coming out in South Dakota. Man, Larry was one on one of the very first trips back in the mid-90s. And so it's been going on for 26, 27 years. And oh, my word. We are literally in South Dakota in November chasing white-tailed deer. Years back, Ken and I, we were the original prairie runners. And uh, as things progressed and everything has went, went, you know, evolved, Ken's got a lot of people that he's, you know, doing different things with, and uh, we don't get to hunt like we used to. And uh, so, yeah, this year, Ken and I went, and uh, he took, uh, we went in on uh, a a little hike deal, and uh, we were able to uh, corral one up, and uh, we spotted, we weren't seeing many deer. I spotted a a nice shooter buck, but he was under power, and then... uh, give us a slips as we would say and uh, we kind of made a move and I said man you know we'll work up over this draw and see if we can't maybe catch up with him again which that never really works <laughs> but we were game and uh, we get up there and Ken he's looking one way I'm looking the other and pretty soon he's flagging me and he's got a he's got a nice buck spotted and uh, so who was on the gun first I was on the gun first and uh, this buck was locked up with a doe, and, uh, I mean, he was going nowhere. So I got over. I got on the sticks. Um, he was trying to get the camera set up to try to get this thing on film. It was uh, 564 yards. Uh, we had ranged it. So he had no idea we were there. You know, mm-hmm. we were coming in from another zip code. <laughs> and uh, we got set up, and he just stood there and stood there like a statue. <laughs> So uh, Ken said, "You think you can make that shot?" I said, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a try." And uh, we tripped the trigger, and uh, I, I could hear the, the bullet, but I couldn't see the deer's reaction. Um, he says, "Man, you, you tagged him." Um, we looked at some footage on it; it looked like a really good hit. So we uh, packed our stuff up, and he disappeared. He jumped into the buck brush, and we moseyed on down there to him, and. Uh, we could see him in the brush there, and uh, while we're standing there, 
kind of in the corner of his eye. That was good eye. He, he caught one slipping They're always out. rough on me there. Yeah, yeah. He caught one slipping out, and we looked, and, man, this thing's bucking up the hill. and Nice 10-point, and uh, he was filming me, so he didn't have a, a weapon, and I threw him my gun, and I said, just put it on him, and the buck went behind a tree, and... Uh, Ken was down on him. He flipped me his phone and said, make sure you're videoing. And uh, we sat there for just, I mean, it, it was just a few seconds. The buck stepped out. Uh, Ken hit the range. He was 210 and going straight away. And Ken made a great shot and piled them up. So here we are 15 minutes before dark. We got two bucks down 250 yards apart and, uh, so the work began. <laughs> we were in a walk-in area only, so we had two miles to hike out. And after we carved the deer up, packed them up, and yeah, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a dilemma. So I'm I'm the video guy here, and so video is very important to me. How, how did Ken do on the uh, on the video side of things? Well, I'll tell you this: he did fantastic. Um, thank goodness that that doe didn't move because neither did the buck. But it seemed like. It seemed like an hour went by, <laughs> and he stood there and waited for us to get get everything lined out. But no, he did a he did a great job. What'd you have to get lined out? We had to get the bipod, get the camera screwed to it, and get everything set up. And because uh, we were we were stalking and moving, trying to put some sneaks on. And you know, when, once this buck we seen he was anchored up. Uh, it uh, it was interesting. It was an it was a. Neat I was having situation. just a little trouble with the head of the tripod, so um, you I know I didn't lose my testimony, but it was getting close. <laughs> I didn't want to go into the technical end of it, but uh, he was struggling. I was locked on there and uh, pretty solid, but uh, it, it worked out well. Two very nice deer down and. Uh, I only fell down one and a half times <laughs> with the pack overloaded, and uh, <laughs> it was interesting. Um, I don't know how many fences we climbed, but it was way, way too many <laughs> getting out of there. Well, cool, and um, and that was the opening day, right? That was opening evening, yeah. So Ken Byers and myself were tagged out, and. Uh, now we're working, trying to get the rest of the gang filled up here. So very, and, very good. And how many do you think we've we've uh, tapped out since? I think we're at eleven. Yeah, yeah, we're at. I think 11 with Clint's here. buck, it was we're now at eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Okay. Yeah. He, Clint is your son-in-law and just took the buck uh, this evening. Uh, but I want to hop back real quick because um, an important detail was mentioned about you having one eye. And uh, for the listeners who have no idea who you are, I think that that story is. Uh, is one that was uh we don't want to go there no (laughs) well you guys have heard of the christmas story i'm literally uh, a walking example of that all fun and games so somebody gets an eye poked out (laughs) yep so with the old daisy uh bb gun my brother got for christmas and we were out rabbit hunting four days after christmas still on christmas vacation and Something happened, and I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, there, my eye hurts. And I knew the BB gun had discharged, and uh, it hit me in the eyeball. And there, there we go. I'm one-eyed Jack. Oh, I've never heard that story. I knew that it was a BB gun, but I had never never actually asked about the details of it. But Yeah, so I was 10 years old when all that went down, and, you know, kids are pretty 
resilient, so I was blessed to have it. A dad that still was all about the outdoors, and so we just never stopped, man. We just got after it. I switched over from right hand to left hand, and um, it worked out. The only thing I was bitter about my dad is he wouldn't let me start hunting until I was 13, and you could start hunting when you're 12. And he said, I didn't start till I was 13, son. You're going to start when you're 13. I said, whoa, hold on a minute. There's a whole lot of things can happen in those 12 months. <laughs> this boy here can shoot and shoot straight. I know many, many people with two eyes ain't even in the game with yep. him. He is on the mark. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know how many years I've been out here with you guys, but I think it's like five or six, and and it's it amazes me how many little black dots and turkeys Ken can see across the, the prairie just kind of wandering about. And um, we were just talking tonight because I sat in glass for about uh, 20 minutes just trying to find some kind of deer. And I was telling Autumn that, Ken is the luckiest guy ever because he'll sit and he will he will find a deer, and she said that the cause of that is mainly because she'll he'll sit until he doesn't see anything and then he'll get up and move, go somewhere else to find it. You know this whole South Dakota deal that we've been doing for years. Uh, it's the camaraderie, the people, the friendships. The it's just people from all walks of life, and uh, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of activities out there that can bring you together like the hunting world can it brings people from many many areas together and a great time and we've met some great people over the years and i just uh i got a big thanks to ken for letting me be part of that yeah well the nice thing about larry is he's not right in the head like most of us and he just adds to the program so when it doesn't take long before we're all together around the dinner table or around a, maybe a dead deer and we're swapping stories and, you know, and Larry's just one of those special guys that brings so much to the table and adds to life. And it's just been cool. As Larry said, is how many different people we've got to meet, be around and just experience some special times, whether it's their first deer or it's their biggest deer or whatever it might be. Um, we have been, been around to enjoy so many cool experiences. Yeah, that's cool. How many deer do you think you guys have uh, taken down together? We, I don't know, a couple anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 aren't big on numbers to a point. I mean, we are because we're always striving to help other people kill their deer or fill their tag. And a lot of times they they're filling their tags before we are, and it just seems to be that the number per annually in South Dakota is somewhere between 20 and 40 bucks are killed and we've been doing it for 27 years so you kind of add that up but Larry and I whether we're fishing we fishing this crazy tournament back home in Michigan and it's 17 hours of straight fishing once a year and we just enjoy each other's company because I think number one it's it's we have the same spirit of competitiveness and you know who wants to be runner-up who wants to be second place and we have that same attitude man we are going we're in it to win it and we're that way when we hunt too okay and and, it, and it's mainly whitetail right you guys don't elk hunt at all together or have you we haven't done that we haven't crossed that bridge but that's going to happen soon we we don't just participate and larry's told this story many many times there's three types of people in the world there's people that get things done people that watch things get done and the people that 
How in the world did that get done? Did he get that right? <laughs> well, he's close, but I don't know if we're on the air, but he's close. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, there's people that make it happen, okay? Yep. <laughs> there's people that watch it happen, and there's people that wonder what the heck just happened. <laughs> so which one are you? I mean, that's what I told Ken. You know, I've, I've been the guy that uh, wants to make it happen. Yeah, cool. Well, and I also hear, Larry, or I've witnessed that you're a pretty good shot, too. On occasion. Yeah. On yeah, occasion, yeah. Do you have a, um, a, you have a range set up? Yeah. You know, I've been, again, my, Ken's upbringing and mine are very, very similar. My dad, you know, we had a big family, 11 kids, and hunting and fishing wasn't just about... Uh, the sport, it was about sustenance and uh, everything that we would capture on the rod and reel or on the, on the shooting field, you know, small game. I cut my teeth on small game, and, uh, you know, it, it was part of our upbringing. And my, my father, he exposed me to it. I mean, I had my hand around a gun from a very, very early age and uh, became pretty proficient with it. And uh, so... I've been reloading and, and shooting long range. And again, it isn't about the longest shot. It's about what are you capable of and making that ethical shot that you're capable of. But yeah, I've got at my home, I have a 700 yard range, which isn't tremendous, but I do a lot of shooting. I set a lot of guns up. I, I you know, people come and I set them up and, and, and I have a lot of years behind behind the trigger. So and Larry's being a little bit humble because he actually influences. I wouldn't even want to even speculate how far around the radius of the thumb of Michigan that he influenced. But it's even muzzle loaders, it's shotguns, it's it's uh, vertical bows, crossbows, muzzle loaders. You know, just AR-15 platform, bolt actions, optics. So, I mean, the, the amount of rounds that he's sent down range is unsurmountable in my mind through the years and uh so i'm i'm the kind of the other end of the spectrum every time i trip the trigger i want to see feathers flying or or, <laughs> or bloodshed type thing from some a big game animal i say all that to say um that that is why it is so cool to have somebody like larry to know because he's so studied in calibers and various things of that nature so you can look at larry given if he gives you the thumbs up you're good to go well that's actually a perfect segue into my next question because i don't know much about the 300 rpm and that that's the right letters right behind it 300 rpm isn't it a fairly new round yeah it's the 6.5 rpm 6.5 okay okay yep so we're all setting in in the uh background going come on boys when are you get them out with the 300 rpm oh okay <laughs> that's you're, the joke yeah you're you're actually prophesying yeah okay <laughs> so well, the, yeah so the 6.5 rpm larry uh jumped on that caliber a couple of years ago and i'll let him go into that yeah um you know weatherby come out and and here's the uh, the whole 6.5 story i mean it's like it's taken over the world. I mean, everybody, the 6'5", Creedmoor, this, that. And the guys that have been in the, in the game for a long time, you know, you got the Grendel, then you got the Creedmoor. Well, I've had a 6'5 by 284 and a Cooper for 20 years, okay? And this, 
this isn't some new caliber, but it's really stormed. And if you take a 308 next to the 6.5 Creedmoor at 500 yards, there ain't a pinch of bug, whatever, between them. I mean, they're there. But once you start going to that, you know, six, seven, eight hundred yards, well, then the 6.5, the ballistic coefficient of that round, it does take over the 30 caliber. Um, it's it's a little bit better, so I said I'm not I'm not gonna get, I'm not buying a Creedmoor. I got a six five two eighty four normal. Well, that outperforms that. It's got more feet per second, and it's a it's a deadly round. I mean, I can shoot four inch groups at seven hundred yards with that gun, and then I you know, and then well, Ken's like, man, you know, Weatherby's coming out with this six five RPM. So I get studying up on that, and I'm thinking, wow, this thing's running a 140-grain bullet at 3,100 feet a second. Well, that's, that's leaps and bounds. And then, of course, the king of the 6.5s is a 6.5-300 Weatherby. That's from pushing a 140, you know, right around that 3,500 deal. So the 6.5 uh, RPM came out, and uh, Weatherby brought it out in what they call their um, titanium backcountry. So we got our hands on one of them, and uh, I've had the gun for a couple years, and I've pulled the trigger on it four times, <laughs> and I've had a, a gut pile four times. I've uh, taken three nice deer with it out here and on film with Ken, and then I did, I took a you know 600-pound black bear in Michigan with it here last September, and it just absolutely did the deal. So that 3,100 feet a second um, has got a lot of energy. And for the guys that reload and understand the ballistics, it's a heck of a round. So I have another 6.5 other than my 284 Norma, and it's called Weatherby Titanium Backcountry. And I'll tell you what, they got it. They got it right. Cool, yeah. So I had overheard something about a 300 RPM, and I wanted to ask about that. But So, yeah, so 6.5 RPM is the round that you're you're talking about. Yes, and that's the, what I'm shooting, yes. And, and essentially the 300 RPM aspect of it is just a joke about saying that that's what they should do. Yeah, well, a little bit, because they just came out with the 338 RPM, and uh, I I don't know much about it yet. Um, we had uh, Tyler out elk hunting, and uh, he was carrying that for a day or two, and ended up killing his bull with 300 Weatherby in the backcountry 2.0. But uh, with that being said, we're all looking at, you know, who who in the world in big game hunting is not thinking 30 caliber is, you know, really important. And if Weatherby were to put their mind to it, it would be a pretty special round. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. when, you, when you talk about, like, the you know, the 338 Winchesters years back, I shoot a 375 I've shot elk with. Um, I'm a 30 caliber. I cut my teeth on a 300 wind mag and there's all these new calibers and, um, that are, that are coming out. And, uh, you know, some of the, some of the stuff that was there is very effective. There's no doubt it'll, it'll, it'll do everything, but, uh, the technology and the engineering that's going into these new calibers and rounds, like I said, if I'm deer hunting size animal, that, uh, six, five RPM is going to be in my pocket. If I'm going to go for elk personally, a 30 caliber, this is just me. I'm not a guy that lives out west. I got a week or two hunt I'm going to go on. 30 caliber is going to be the minimum I got to punch an elk. Because if he's 350, 400 going away from me, I want to be able to send one in on him and have the confidence it can take him down. And the 30 calibers and up are going to do that. So 
it, it becomes, and again, my dad uh, and I, we had many, many conversations. He's the one that got me reloading, got me into guns and calibers. And, uh, you know, he, did, he, he wouldn't always agree with my thought process. But, you know, I was always bigger is better. But believe me, when you can run a 140-grain bullet at 3,100 feet a second out of these six fives, I'm going to tell you what, there ain't any deer-sized game in the country can stand up to that. And, again, I took a 600-pound black bear, put four paws in the air, and he never even – he didn't know what hit him. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see these new calibers coming for sure. Okay. And um – so talking about the caliber a little bit, let's move to the glass. What about the new optics that are coming in and all the technology that's coming into that? Well, you know, um, this year, Ken, um, Burris has stepped up, and I've got, uh, I, I put on top of my RPM, I put a new Eliminator 5 on there. It's a 5 to 20, and uh, rain-finding scope that they have. And I, I'm going to tell you what, it's a, it's a piece of equipment. I mean, you can range. Once you get this thing set up and you get your ballistic profile put into that scope and you put your BC in there, number, uh, this thing is it's amazing. And like I said, we were 564 yards, and I hit the dot. You still got to be able to hold the dot at that distance, <laughs> but – it will get the job done, and um, I'm very impressed with it. Burris has uh, really, really stepped up their game. Um, Ken come up with a 300, 2.0, 300 Weatherby mag, and it had their new Verocity. And, um, well, I'll tell you what, we were shooting at my 600 dong, and this gun is, and uh, like I said, Burris, the scope, the clarity, what they're putting out, um, top of the line. It's, it'll run with anybody's stuff. Yeah, I was really impressed, and uh, we've been fortunate to run with some of the biggest brands, the biggest names out there, made friends with many great people within representing those brands, and so this is kind of our first big get after it with Burris, and uh, they're, even their binoculars, very impressed, but that uh, Veracity scope, man, it's the one I'm running isn't the highest powered one, it's the 3 to 15, and... Uh, Oh man, I mean we we have we shot it at Larry's range and and it it was amazing just the clarity and uh, so then I got to try it out because in Idaho you're not able to use the range finding and having the battery operated anything like that in 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 your optics so I had to run what we would call a standard type of a scope from that perspective but the the various elements that that veracity. Uh, it's a full package scope with you got the drops that you can use with the various dashes under the vertical line and then you can uh, use the uh, custom turrets and things of that nature I, I, I took the I'll just say the, the more simpler route for me because if I'm on the move and I don't have time I've got a I've got elk and it happened this this year where in Montana we had elk they they had spooked they were making a move i quickly range find them dropped into my 300 yard dash boom dead elk all was good i didn't have time to be cranking turrets and doing all that sort of thing so i'm really really happy with what we're finding out with burst and now they they've uh, on optics um connor as you mentioned is they've got the handheld range finders uh, out and so we were prototyping 
what their new release, so to speak, and that thing's working like a charm. Sweet. You know, um, it's, it's the whole package because you have you have the ballistic you know scope there, and you have the option where if you have the time and you can dial, you can do that as well. So it's the, it's the whole package. It's um, you know the industry across the line, many different brands. Um, Burris, uh, like I said, I haven't had Burris uh, on my stuff in a while, and. Uh, can't introduce me to this new line i'm gonna tell you what i gotta get some more <laughs> very cool um so i mean this is all about hunting all revolving around hunting and i know that you have um quite a few hunting stories so i want you to think about um ken i want you to think about a couple sketchy stories and sketchy situations you've been in that you'll be able to share but first i got a story that i want to unless you got something that came to mind larry because you're laughing <laughs> There's a lot of sketchiness out there. <laughs> well, I, I got a question because I was told to ask this, um, but I, I heard that you got into the wrong car earlier, Larry. What happened there? That was just bad judgment. <laughs> I, I don't think we, that's really not got nothing to do with hunting. <laughs> I know it doesn't, but I think it's funny, and I haven't heard the story yet. Do we really want to go here? Yeah, go. well, we can cut it out if it's bad. Okay, well, here we were. This is uh, me and uh, I met a new guy in camp, one of Ken's friends, and uh, we just had quite a bit in common, and we kind of hit it off, so we needed to run the town for some supplies. <laughs> and uh, so he said, yeah, I'll take a ride up with you, Larry. So we run up, we jump in the, the rig, and we run up, up to the store in town here, and uh, we goes in, and we get our stuff, and I pay, and we go out, and I got the key, you know, I locked the door, and we, I go to the door, and my key don't want to work so good, you know, and I'm wiggling, fidgeting around, and finally I get the door to open. I, I hit the unlock, and Craig, he goes to the other side, and he's loading the stuff in the, the back of his vehicle, <laughs> and uh, we, he shuts the door, and I, uh, and I noticed an odor coming out of this vehicle that... It, I, I didn't put that perfume on this morning. I know I didn't. <laughs> so then I opened the door, and uh, I'm looking at this whoopee cushion on the seat, and I'm like, hell, we in the right vehicle. <laughs> so, so, so now we're hitting the button. This vehicle pulled in. I mean, it was identical, kind of like year model. <laughs> this, and uh we're trying to get our groceries out of the back of this, this somebody else's vehicle and get them in ours. And there's this guy at the gas pump that must have known whose vehicle it was that we were in. And he's laughing at us. And you guys in there, you guys know what vehicle you came in? <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was a Kodak moment for sure. So we did figure out what vehicle we were in, got the groceries in it, and got back to camp without getting arrested. <laughs> And that wasn't that wasn't your vehicle though. It was no, it wasn't mine. So that's the whole deal. It wasn't like I'm, I you know, Ken. Uh, some things that happened, and Ken was borrowing his uh, son's vehicle, and uh, yeah, I mean, what's the what's the odds that same color, same year? Um, it didn't have the broke windshield like we had, but I wasn't looking at the windshield. <laughs> uh, it was. Yeah, it was a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you've had quite a bit of car trouble, haven't you there, Ken? Well, it's it's one of those things. You know, I, I was running excursions for probably 15 years, and it, <laughs> we called them the the power wagon. We called them the smoke, smoke wagon or prairie prowler. And uh, I finally got 
finally talked myself into selling the excursions and I picked up a nice Ford pickup and anyway, it likes to eat SUVs and in this one I had a you know encounter in Boise. Lots of people there, lots of targets to hit, and I hit one of them. <laughs> oh. So it's getting repaired. Yeah. What? And the, um, I was going to ask you something about the cars. Because, oh, I remember we were out there with that like, old excursion, and you, uh, and you had two popped tires in, the, in that back road um, that we were in Idaho. And we had to go in yeah. twice in the... <laughs> that, uh, let's don't start let's talking start about popped tires. <laughs> Yeah, because I got to tell you this. This is a real. You asked me to think of a hunting story, and this is related to it because yeah, yeah. we literally were coming to this facility hunting uh, where we're at right now, uh, probably four years ago. And I had this old camper that I'd I'd picked up, and we're like, "Uh, oh, hey man, we're gonna three of us are gonna sleep into this camper. We're in great shape. We load this camper up. There is so much supplies." freezer food can i just let me interject (laughs) so ken lives about two and a half hours from where i live in michigan so my wife takes me up to ken's and uh we're gonna load up and head out that night and uh so in typical buyer's fashion there's like a million things going on so now we're loading this this camper up it's uh it's late it's maybe 10 o'clock at night and we started hauling stuff in this camper, and my wife's watching. And we load the front up. We're, like Ken said, we're putting freezers, food, uh, it, uh, everything but the kitchen sink because it was in the camper. <laughs> and uh, I looked at the tires on this trailer, and I said, Ken, how's your tires? Oh, me and the wife, we just, we're all west all summer, and we just, we come home, we're, we're good. <laughs> so... My wife's looking at me like, Larry, how much more stuff can you guys put in this camper? I mean, you had to been there to even understand what I'm talking about because this thing, um, we were overloaded. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. So, Ken, go ahead. and. Uh, <laughs> so, we're just uh, kind of uh, making our way through Michigan and the Upper Peninsula, and then we're on our way into Wisconsin. Things are going well. We're talking about old times and what's, you know, what's going to happen and play out in the next couple of weeks while we're in South Dakota and hunting the various places that we do for big, for deer. And <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> we hear, poof, <laughs> like, ooh, was that us? <laughs> So that that was tire number one, and and I'm gonna make a long story short. Oh, sorry, it's too late. Um, we blew every tire out on that trailer on that route uh, to South Dakota, and so we literally now it's getting daylight. We're cruising, making good time, and people are driving by, and they're like, "Hey, hey, you know, they're they're making all these hand gestures," and we're like. Hey, man, thumbs up, baby. We're going deer hunting. Right. That's because there was one little side door on the trailer that would flop open now and again. So we're thinking that this is what they're talking about. (laughs) This little door's opening up on us, right? So as Larry said, man, we're like, hey, a little cargo action. That's that's nice. No no problem. I concerned citizens appreciate it. We're waving them on. Cool. Yeah. And uh, 
the next thing we know, like 30 minutes later, a cop comes up and he pulls up right beside us, a police officer, and he waves us over and he doesn't look like he was having a good day at all. Well, unbeknownst to us, we'd blown off the rear tire on the driver's side, and now we're down to the rim. The rim was disintegrating oh under the, on, on the pavement, and it was knocking out windshields of vehicles behind <laughs> us. So we had a brand-new Buick uh, LaCrosse, La whatever that the Sabre, was. yeah. Yeah, and it had a had a big ding on the hood and then the windshield was knocked out and he he that wasn't he, yeah he wasn't asking us to be on his christmas card list <laughs> no we were uh he looking me in the eye i'm driving and he he's kind of pointing at me i was ready on a holster i think and he was pointing at me to find the show <laughs> and he's and it was you know and in our defense it was about 70 mile an hour <laughs> winds tumbleweeds going and we pulled over said do you know Hey, you got a blowed tire? Uh, no, sir, I don't. <laughs> I ain't got a clue. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was not a good situation. But by the time we got here, we got really proficient at changing tires. I mean, I think we were down to like about, we could flip a tire off that trailer. And Ken had this nice little portable jack. It only weighed about 180 pounds. <laughs> and I'd have to dig that out of the camp <laughs> every time, get it under the trailer, change the tire. But we were down about eight minutes. And, uh, <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, Dad, he didn't find no humor. <laughs> That's the memories kind of that makes things special. So did you have to replace them all at the same time or like one after another, they slowly <laughs> Oh, no, we'd go 100 miles, another one would blow another one. So by the time we got to Mitchell, South Dakota, we had changed every tire, four tires on a trailer. We were down to nothing, and we had to stop at Walmart and Mitchell and go and buy tires and rims because we, we, we were missing some rims, too. <laughs> Or it got done. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, have you had a chance to think of uh, any hunting stories and sketchy situations, either that you've been in together or ones that you want to notate here on the podcast? <laughs> or do I have to trigger your memory by talking about something else that broke? Yeah, you might have to give us a trigger. Because <laughs> you, you guys fish too, right? Oh, yeah. You yep. do a lot of walleye fishing here, I know. What, uh, <laughs> what other fishing do you guys do together? Well, you know... Um, Ken, uh, a few years back uh, over in Ludington, Michigan, on Lake Michigan, uh, we got into this vertical jigging deal, and, uh, man, we catch some big fish, you know. I've had, you know, boats with the downriggers and all that, rods, and it's just, you're just dragging them in, you know, um, big equipment. So we we like to have the rod and reel in our hands. So, you know, we're running rods um i personally run about a 20 pound fire line but we're running a 17 pound fluorocarbon leader 24 to 30 inches long and we're jigging these 25 30 pound king salmon and I, i'm here to tell you you want to talk about a good time there's a good time and uh We've had some moments, you know, where we've been fighting a fish for 20 minutes and then uh, somebody does a bad net job and <laughs> tempers get flared. And I mean, it's all part of it, you know. I don't, you guys out there, you've all fished with your wives, you know. <laughs> and, and, and when you have your moments. And, uh, but no, um, the reality of it is we have a very good, very good time and the competitiveness is never, go, never goes away. It doesn't. Yeah, well, that what he's referring to is a bad net job. At all, that's his bad because I've netted every one of his fish religiously at a very high proficiency 
proficient rate. Yeah, but I always got them in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am fighting this fish for a half hour. I wear the fish down. The fish is all but wanting to come into the net, give it up. And Larry somehow hits the fish right in the head and uh, knocks the lure off. And I said, look, man, you had me down four to one. It's four to two. We're counting that fish. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't remember it quite that way. I do remember that he had this fluorescent yellow net, and when you literally picked it up in the boat, the fish went on another run. It scared them to death. You just got the thing near the water, and they were they were flipping out. So just to, I'm just to make it totally clear, he gave me the net because he knew it was the net, not the netter. <laughs> yeah, well, then we had an encounter. Well, you're talking about walleye fishing. So, yeah. so this spring, he's like, Ken, you got to get down here. We're going to do some whipping. I said, whipping? I said, no, I'm not whipping with you. And he said, no, 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 this is walleye fishing. I'm like, okay, fair enough. So he said, we're going we're gonna to come down here. We're going to try to shoot a turkey. And then we're going to go down and catch a bunch of walleye. So we had about, oh, 24 hours to do this. And so we literally get down there at 11 o'clock in the morning, St. Clair River, meet it. <clears throat> we meet up. Yeah, at, at night, I'm sorry. And uh, so 11, 30, 11 o'clock, we get down there, we get on the water, and we got till midnight to catch our limit. He gets set up, I kid you not, before I could even get the cameras turned on and set up, he said, I got him. He's reeling him in. He's limited out in about 20 minutes. Now it's my turn to do something that I've never done before with this whipping deal. So I start catching them. And I mean, it is just unbelievable how we are hooking up with these fish. Well, we're shoot, we're limited out in 45 minutes. So I'm down to about my last fish. I hook up and I look at Laird and I said, Laird, this is legit. This is a big walleye. I said, do me a favor, get this thing in the net, would you? So I start reeling this in. It starts breaking water. And this is down in the St. Clair River, so the current's what, six to eight mile an hour, Larry? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, you're, you're fighting the current along with this six-pound, seven-pound walleye. I get this walleye right up to the boat. I'm like, okay, Larry, do, net the stinking walleye. And he's like, let it go back. Give it some slack so it drops into the net. Well, every fisherman that has any sense of, you know, um, what fishing's all about is rod tip high, keep the lines tight. So he's telling me to drop it into the net, give it slack. And I'm like, dude, no, uh-uh. Ain't, no, ain't nobody going to play that game. So I start fighting this fish, and I'm bringing it up. and, and I'm trying to chase the fish with the net because <laughs> he's pulling it out of the net away from me in this current. And I'm just, let go. <laughs> he couldn't. He didn't do it. I couldn't do it, and I blew it. So the fish got off, and the trophy's gone. And, and he yelled at me for about 15 minutes. <laughs> and I said, it'll be okay. We'll get more. <laughs> So anyway, we'd have thrown that fish back anyway because it wasn't an eater. It was too big. So then I caught a 18-incher and all was, all was happy and Larry didn't feel too bad. Well, and with that story, I, I take Ken to some spots I've been fishing since I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. These are, you know, you get on the river, you get a hot spot and you start catching fish and these boats start coming around. And I'm telling Ken, you know, he's... 
be quiet. And then he's turning on all these lights. He's trying to film it. You're giving away our position, man. They're, we won't even be able to anchor within two miles of this place tomorrow night, you know. And it, uh, it it's a good time. But I'll tell you what, uh, people don't realize that St. Clair River is probably one of the best, it, it not probably, it is one of the best walleye fisheries in the country. And, uh, I mean, there is just fish to be had there that's uh, beyond the normal man's comprehension. Yeah. That's all I can say. Well, it was a good time. We limited out there before midnight and then took them back and cleaned them up and then got in there before daylight and limited out again. We had our two-day limit. We're jigging, jigging in the day and whipping in the night, and it, uh, it's, a, it's a great fishery. Yeah, that happens. I got to tell you, though, the story that I think about Connor and, and the crew when we were transitioning from one uh, one of the places we were hunting more eastern South Dakota and then more moving in toward more western South Dakota. And uh, we pull up to this fast food restaurant, the old Taco John's. And uh, I said, ma'am, I said, there's like four dudes in this truck and we're hungry. What would you recommend? And what did she say? You better get two sets of six pack in a pound. You remember that? Oh, I remember. Yeah. Is I think it's me and Micah in the back seat or me and I think it's me and Micah in the back seat. Yeah. Larry calls us the twins. <laughs> so he's like we're we're like, hey, perfect. Don't do it. Get out of this taco bell. You can't be in a confined space in this unit here and start feeding people that type of stuff. It just don't work. Yeah, so uh Larry and I, you know, so there's six packs, so everybody gets three soft tacos and you know, a half a pound of these little potato fry deals. So the young, the younger bucks in the back seat, they're they're getting at it and they're kind of on their phone. They're catching up on their business stuff and saying hi to the family and friends because we've already been hard at it for over a week. Well, Larry and I are in the front seat and we can get after it when it's time to feed. So we're we're knocking these things out and we're pretty much done with our six pack. And we look back and they're like Connor's eating one. And some taters, and the next dude's eating one, and then maybe Connor ate two. So they got literally, I don't know, four left, five left, and and uh, Larry, Larry, he does his share, and then they, so they pass it, that that uh, masterpiece back up to the front seats, and we finish it off. Nah, I thought that was pretty spectacular. <laughs> the old six pack and a pound. Every time I go by Taco John's, that's that's what I. Think about as a six pack and a pound. Yeah. Well, Taco Bell is my favorite, but yeah, when you're out west, sometimes it's hard to find the OTB, so you settle for Taco John. I remember the first time I walked into that Taco Bell with Larry, and he's like, he's never even eaten there, and I'm like, what? This is the mainstay. <laughs> and I ordered him up some crispy, crazy burrito thing with taco shells and hard shell oozing all over my lap in the truck on the seat and the carpet and what in the world but he actually when he he finished that up i kid you not he put a smile on his face there's a twinkle in his eye and he said i'll be back what's that other place that uh that we were on our way out this year he's into this Stuff that, you know, I ain't never even heard of it. You know? Oh, that Panda Express. Panda Express. <laughs> it ain't happening, Vern. So he's he's going to go over there and get Panda Express, and I spot this white castle about 300 yards away, and I grab my wallet, and I bust and run. <laughs> I give me one of them Crave packs. 
20 of these little sliders, man. I'm saying, like, this is this is living right here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like a Crave case? Is that crave what? case, absolutely. And then uh, we stopped over at Autumn's and the Clint's, and uh, I um, took them in, and, I, and he had all that other funky stuff all muddled together in this Oh my gosh! Anyway, um, I'll tell you what—they went for them, them uh, white castles. They were the winner. Did you guys ever needed to sleep in the same camper together? Yeah, and then whenever that happens, there's no Taco Bell. <laughs> it's not allowed. Well, I just remember the first time. That now, now we're talking hunting. Yeah. The first time Larry and I ever went out west together, and of all things, we're shooting prairie dogs. So this is like. This is downtime. This is <laughs> this is this is just we're gonna go out there and you know paint the town red. So I'm in Larry. I don't know. I'm, I'm being very polite, you know, because I'm a polite guy and uh, fairly quiet. And so we're in his one ton. I just remember his perfectly green old older Chevy, but or Ford diesel, and uh, we're. <laughs> tooling across the USA, headed to South Dakota to shoot prairie dogs. And he gets this crazy cheeseburger loaded with onions and nastiness. And he's mowing that down, having a Diet Coke. And, you know, we're talking about, and we're, literally we're like first time of doing anything like this at this level where we're going to have a lot of FaceTime together. We're at 10 hours into this thing and he is just blowing up. His belly's all jazzed up. And, and I'm like, Larry, come on, come on. <laughs> and his famous saying, when he lets one rip from the lower unit, is, speak to me, toothless one. And I'm like, oh, my aching can. So we, you know, I ate some goodies, too. So I'm sitting over there being polite in the driver, in the passenger seat. And then he's like, oh, man, I worked at the whole shift. I'm getting tired. I said, dude, I'll take the wheel. So I jump in the wheel. He jumps in the back seat. He gets horizontal. Well, I can remember I'm sitting there for about two hours letting things churn just about the way it needs to happen. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I turned the heat down, or I put the air air to the floor, so it'd, it'd roll that air right on down and around to, to him. <laughs> I can just remember like it Now, this was 20-some years ago. I mean, this is a long time ago. <laughs> I remember hitting that and turning up the old fan. and Things happened, and all of a sudden, I mean, I was grinning from ear to ear because I was proud of this one. This was a booner. And uh, he comes up out of that backseat. He's a buyer. What are you doing to my truck? Yeah, you you remember one, that one, bro? Uh, the, yeah. And I think what got me more than that even is when I woke up and he had, uh, we, you know, we had these large Diet Coke containers that were empty. And... Uh, <laughs> You're not going. I, I get there, and these, they're both full of something. And I'm like, like, how'd you do that when you were driving? So now I got to gotta scour the steering wheel and everything because, man, there's just stuff went on here that ain't right. I forgot about that, Larry. I didn't. I, I, look, I didn't. Let me do an official apology of that behavior. There's no, no sense in that at all. <laughs> Oh, Larry's pretty sensitive to smell. He he was very animated about that last night. Well, you know what? Like Connor, um, I've known him for several years now, and then he had another guy work, working with him. And I called them the twins. They were a couple of young guys, you know. And uh, anyway, the the one fella, he's not here now. We've got a replacement, Nate. He's just another, you know, young guy, little guy. And, uh, 
you know, you're out on the prairie, you're working hard, we're eating and we're doing this, that, whatever. And we got this little cabin, you know. It, I mean, it, it, it's like the cab of a truck. It, it, it falls right in with confined space. <laughs> and uh, I go in there yesterday, I hit the door and I, I about fell down. <laughs> I about went down to one knee, you know. And uh, I don't know who did it. Neither one of them are in the room, but I'm coming to find them. So we come over to the main lodge here where we eat. I backed Nate in the corner. I said, look, I don't know which one of you pulled that stunt there, but I got all the windows open, the door open. It's, you know, 25 degrees here. And I'm like, uh, you don't, you don't carry that around on the prairie for three days and then bring it back where you sleep. Even a good bird dog wouldn't do that to itself. <laughs> so I think I got him. I think I got him house broke now. <laughs> That's a good way to play it. Hey. <laughs> um, okay. So, <laughs> uh, um, you guys have spent a lot of time on the prairie together. Any other uh, stories that you can think of offhand? Um, <laughs> Nothing that's we probably appropriate. <laughs> But no, we we have Ken and I have have had a lot of years together running around and and it's been great times and uh, you know when you look back in life you work hard and uh, this is this is the couple of weeks a year that I look forward to and, and 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 I enjoy it. It's again, it isn't all about the kill. It's about the camaraderie, being with good people, and and understanding where you came from, your roots, who uh, who what you are, and. Uh, Ken's the same people that I was growing up, the families, you know. You know, my father uh, had died young, and uh, hunting and fishing was our was our life. And, uh, this, and we really got along good when we were doing that. And as I became a teenager, you know how pods and sons can get. And, uh, you know, we had our ways about us, but we were always on the same page when it came to the outdoor world and being together and doing them activities. And... <clears throat> I can remember um, my my father when he was just about done. Uh, he died of cancer. It was an ugly deal, and uh, he sat up in the bed and, and he looked at me. And I I was a young man when this happened, and my wife I had a daughter, and uh, he looked me up in the eye and he said he said, "Man, Larry, don't let this this hunting don't let this 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 isn't the most important thing. What's most important is your family." And then were some of the last words my dad had told, talked to me about. And it's real. Family is everything. And this activity that we did and we shared together, that's what made us family. So keep that in your notebook when you're thinking about what you got to do when you got to do it. Family is all there is. When you're done at the end of the day, family's it. And uh, hunting, fishing, shooting, sports I've been in all my life. I've met a lot of good families. You know, well said, well said, Larry. And and uh, I did owe that in a lot in a lot of uh, experiences in my life and my father. And I've been privileged, very very privileged, to share a lot of moments, special times with my dad. Yeah, and that is definitely something that's different about this camp out of the other camps that I've been to. And I know a lot of people here and people that I hunt with and. Um, talk to and they they just say when it comes to these two weeks like you're saying like it's just it's just different you know the people are everybody's here rooting for themselves everybody's um you know wanting everybody else to succeed doing deer drives or whatever it is and helping out and 
cutting other people's deer and it's it's cool to see um and that definitely comes from you know an establishment of what you guys have set forth as the example and um yeah so uh well i think that's a good place to wrap it up fellas thanks for uh taking the time to do a little podcast and uh be thinking of some stories and we'll we'll get on this again and do some more uh chit-chatting appreciate it look forward to it thanks connor Absolutely, guys. Thanks for uh, letting me in with you today. This is uh, this is cool. Yeah. Give you a little look back.